It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. My name is Cassie Wienis. I'm a registered and licensed dietitian. Even more importantly, I'm the mom of two wonderful kids who I'm hoping are listening. I was telling Tamara that's in studio with me today, they went down to Grandma and Grandpa's Lake for the first time. Oh, wow. Finally. This year. Oh. Finally. Last year, I think they'd been there already in April. We had such an early... Early spring, right? But so anyway, I told Grandma Jan to try to tune in. I don't know. It's pretty far south. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get us or not. But if you're listening, kids, hello to Riley, my five-year-old, and Rissy, my three-year-old. And hello to all of you listeners out there. Thank you for tuning in this morning. You are in for a great show today. The topic we've lined up for you is one I have learned more details about than I ever would have imagined because of the struggles my family has been through with our own kids. And I imagine that's probably why Dar asked me to host the show today. The topic, only health professionals can say this without (laughs) cracking up, right? The topic is gas, bloating, and diarrhea. So basically, we'll be talking all about digestive issues this morning or about what some people might refer to as irritable bowel syndrome. And in studio with me today to help uncover the causes, hopefully, of your digestive issues is Tamara Brown. Tamara is a registered and licensed dietitian, just like myself. She sees clients at both our St. Paul and North Oaks locations. She also does grocery store tours all throughout the Twin Cities and surrounding areas. She was just on TV here this last Thursday. She can really rack up the miles on her car some weeks. So welcome, Tamara. Thanks, Cassie. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. And I'm excited about our topic today, especially because the title is so intriguing. I know I taught a class on Tuesday night, and when I said, you know, we'll be talking about gas, bloating, and diarrhea, everyone started laughing. So... Well, you got to laugh about it, right? Absolutely. To, to get through Definitely. it. But, but it certainly affects a lot of people. And Dar brought to my attention an article in the lifestyle section of the Minneapolis Tribune that ran this last week that in light of our topic, I have to read or at least hit the high points. Um, the title of this article that, again, ran in the lifestyle section last week is Heartburn Makes Americans Queasy. And the very first sentence, it opens up by saying, heartburn is the new normal. Oh, really? Wow. Is that not a scary statement? That's really scary. I mean, I think it's a pretty true statement, but a pretty scary statement. It goes on to say, acid reflux is on the rise in the United States with 25 million people experiencing daily symptoms, according to the American Gastroenterology Association. It says this is up from 15 million 10 years ago. Mm. So that's a pretty big jump. That's a huge jump. 15 million people that's 10 a years huge ago. Huge yeah. jump. And, and now, when you just think about how many clients do you see yes. that experience heartburn? A lot, right? Yep. Right. And then it so it goes on to say besides this 25 million that have acid reflux every day, another 60 million say they have heartburn about once a month. 
And the article says that's a whole lot of tummy trouble. Blame it on stress. Blame it on an aging population. And above all, experts say blame Americans' habit of eating too much. And then I'm going to skip down here. It says the ubiquity of acid reflux has turned it into a touchstone of middle-aged American culture with over-the-counter medications proliferating in TV commercials and a loony variety of remedies such as magnetic bracelets offered over the Internet. And then it talks about, skipping down, it talks about this gastroenterologist out in California and how he had a client in with awful reflux complaining, mm-hmm. and he's saying, you know, Doc, I want some relief. And this Dr. Hasu, the gastroenterologist, says, once I discovered it was Girl Scout cookie season, oh. he says, I had my diagnosis. Wow. You know what my thought is on that? Hmm. Do you suppose he said stop eating the cookies? Or do you suppose he prescribed some antacids? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. And then the the author says, relax, mid, midlife Americans. It's not your age. It's chronic overindulgence causing the heartburn. And it gives a good statistic down towards the end of the article. More than 40% of the population reaches for antacids more than once or twice a week. Wow. Well, you know, I, that, that last statement you just mentioned is very interesting because mm-hmm. could that be part of the cause of the problem? Mm-hmm. You know, heartburn is not just a normal part of the aging process. It's not normal. We no. shouldn't all be dealing with stuff like that. So what about, you know, it's chronic overindulgence? I thought this author did a really good job, yeah, when when they touched on that chronic overindulgence. So so let's expand a little bit more on that subject of overindulgence. As listeners know, we're not talking about too much broccoli. We're not talking about too many Brussels sprouts. I think that GI doc from California spoke volumes when he said, you know, that that, that guy that had the chronic reflux was eating too many Girl Scout cookies. The cause of the heartburn was revealed when he discovered it was Girl Scout cookie season for this particular gentleman. Right. And I really, it's just so funny because when I think of myself when I was younger, the Girl Scout, you know, I couldn't wait for the Girl Scout cookies. What were your favorite? Those Thin Mints. Yes, everybody. I mean, it's like I couldn't get enough. Honestly, even before I wasn't gluten-free, I never thought those were good. What is wrong with me? (laughs) Now, my mom's home-baked cookies, yeah, but Thin Mints? That's good. Maybe they weren't big enough. Yeah, it was a good thing. It was a good thing. So I know we talk about this topic with our clients all the time at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, Mm -hmm. that a really common cause of heartburn is simply eating too much sugar. And, you know, I think the thing to keep in mind is that the definition of eating too much sugar is not just limited to those obvious things like the cookies and the Twizzlers and homemade cakes being passed around, you know, this time of year. Because for some people, eating too much sugar comes in the form of pizza, whether it's the white flour in the crust, the added corn syrup in the tomato sauce, you know, those things quickly add up to too much sugar as well. Good point. I don't think a lot of people look at pizza and think sugar, but it, right. it is a high sugar food. Another one that I don't think a lot of people think of as a lot of sugar is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right. Right. But, Absolutely. you know, you think about a traditional PB&J, you have two slices of white bread, maybe a couple tablespoons of peanut butter. And unless you're eating real peanut butter, there's sugar added there. And then put some jelly on top of all of that. And you have about 15 teaspoons of sugar circulating in your bloodstream really fast. Wow. A lot of sugar in a simple Mm -hmm. sandwich. Mm -hmm. 
So if you've ever read or heard of a book called Sugar Busters, here we're repeating one of the main themes in that book, which is to avoid all things white, such as white bread, white pasta, white rice, white flour, and products made from it, even white potatoes and potato chips and popcorn. Exactly. Those foods eaten in excess turn to a lot of sugar, which upsets the acid-alkaline balance in your body, and this can be at the root of your frequent heartburn. Right. So for you listeners out there, just think about how easy this can be. You know, for some people, it can just be that if you eliminate processed foods and instead eat more meats, fish and vegetables, and healthy fats, voila, your heartburn may magically disappear. I mean, how many clients have you seen that happen on? Over and over again. It is magical. Mm -hmm. So tonight... Before you go to bed for your bedtime snack, instead of munching on, you know, a bowl of potato chips or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Mm -hmm. how about trying some blueberries or strawberries topped with a couple tablespoons of heavy whipping cream and see if your heartburn isn't magically improved. Nummy. Or I have another one. You know what I... Saw you looking at the clock if I have time to say this. Yeah, absolutely. What I did for the kids yesterday for a treat, I took a banana, sliced it in half lengthwise, Mm -hmm. brushed it in. I wanted to do coconut oil, but they don't quite like that smell yet. I don't know why. So I brushed some butter on it, organic butter, put Uh it in the George Foreman grill. So I grilled these two banana halves, and then I whipped up heavy whipping cream, put two big dollops on each banana half and then drizzled some real maple syrup on top. Oh. And they had their own banana split without ice cream because we're dairy-free. Oh, and Marissa didn't finish all of hers, so I did, and it was really good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, bananas and cream is one of my favorite, favorite things. That sounds amazing. I had never had that before. So, yeah, you'll have to try that one. You know, and in light of the whole basis of what we teach at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, which is eat real food, I like to think about it this way. If it grew on a plant or a tree, eat it, like a banana, right? Eat it. If it was made in a plant, don't eat it. Oh, yeah, I like that. I stole it. I stole it from Michael Pollan, but I like it, too. Oh, yeah, that is very good. I hadn't heard that before. So if all Americans lived by that simple mantra, at least most of the time, I bet we wouldn't have such an epidemic of overweight and obesity in this country. I bet you're right, which brings us to another cause of heartburn, which is carrying too much weight. Right, because anything that increases stomach pressure, Cassie, has the potential to create reflux. Exactly, and I'm not sure. I want to describe reflux a little more. Should we take a break first, Should we take our break first? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. When we return, Cassie will share some of her family favorite recipes that will keep gas, bloating, diarrhea, and heartburn at bay. So stay tuned. And if you want to join in our conversation today, please call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ditching Up Nutrition. If you're just joining us, my name is Cassie Weenus, registered and licensed dietitian, and I'm here this morning with Tamara Brown, also registered and licensed dietitian, and we're talking all about digestive issues. And when we went to break, Tamara mentioned I would share some of my family favorite recipes that 
can help eliminate tummy troubles um, because they're just wholesome foods. I mm-hmm. mean, there's no magical ingredient. It's just that these are real foods. One of my very, very favorite summertime recipes, and I'll often take this if we're going to you know, a summer barbecue or down to the lake and I have to bring a dish to pass, it's called Wild Rice Cranberry Pecan Salad. Gluten-free, dairy-free. I got this from a chef by the name of Jen Cafferty. She is a gal that had been a chef for years before she found out that for health reasons she needed to go gluten and dairy-free. So she's developed some very delicious gluten and dairy-free recipes, and this is one of my favorites. So it's a cup of wild rice blend. Um, I like the Lundberg brand. There's cranberries, there's pecans, a little green onions, a little bit of um, fresh orange juice, some olive oil, some grated orange peel. The recipe is online, so I really encourage people to go to weightandwellness.com. And right on the left-hand side of our homepage, you'll see the word recipes. Click on that and look for wild rice cranberry pecan salad, a wonderful summertime recipe. And then one that I just recently tried from our website that the whole family loves is green beans and creamy garlic. Have you tried that one? I have not tried that one. You got to go get it. It's B. James, who used to be on the radio with Dar when this radio program first started, back when B. was a home economist for Lunds and Byerly's. So it's one of B. James's recipes, and it's pretty darn simple. It's got the green beans, butter, minced garlic, green onions, and some cream, and then you put some sliced toasted almonds on the top at the end, which really makes it, yeah, delicious. So, again, that one's on our website as well. And then one that I have to give credit to one of my clients for, she shared this with me a week or two ago, a homemade ranch dressing. You know how hard it is to find Uh a decent ranch? Yes. And especially with kids, if you can let them dip their veggies, they're much more likely to eat them. So when she shared this with me, I was so grateful. So if you're listening, thank you. It's actually from the Schwartzbein Principal Cookbook. Yeah, she has the best dressing recipes. I I need to buy that cookbook. So I just photocopied it, being that we sell the cookbook at the office. Mm -hmm. I haven't quite bought it yet, but... It's real easy if anybody has a pen and paper, homemade ranch dressing, very easy. It's a half a cup of mayonnaise, and you want to use a good mayonnaise like Hain, mm-hmm. very unrefined mayonnaise. So half a cup of Hain mayo, half a cup of full-fat sour cream, one minced garlic clove, one teaspoon Dijon mustard, one half teaspoon dried dill, and then a little bit of fresh ground pepper to taste, I mean, I made that in probably three minutes. The kids were starving when I picked them up from daycare and I had all the ingredients. I whipped it up really fast, threw some some raw veggies on the table, and they just went to town. Mm-hmm. So, And you can keep it, you know, just store yes. it in your fridge like any other dressing. Exactly. That's going to keep all a long me. time. So back to, um, like I said before we stopped for a break, I wanted to describe acid reflux and how it works because I think knowing the mechanism can, can I kind of help visualize some remedies. So for those of you who don't know how acid reflux works, or heartburn, same thing, I want you to visualize the top of the stomach where it meets the esophagus. And right at that juncture, there's a sphincter muscle that's supposed to open up when you're eating to let food into the stomach, and then it's supposed to close as soon as that food passes through in order to prevent acid from the stomach backwashing up into the esophagus. But as we mentioned, upsetting that acid-alkaline balance in your body by eating too much white flour and sugar 
or causing pressure on that sphincter muscle because you're carrying too much weight. Either of these scenarios can cause that sphincter muscle to open up when it's not supposed to, and then you get acid backwashing into your esophagus, and it isn't a pleasant feeling, as many listeners know. Right, and I think it's great to describe that just so we're all on the same page and really having that understanding. Mm -hmm. But what it's also important to share that there are a range of reflux-related symptoms, so it's not always the same for everybody. So... Um, for heartburn, if you experience heartburn, you may also have queasiness or coughing, asthma, or even a predisposition to hiccups can be a sign that that backwash of acid is taking place. Yep. Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting. You know, before I figured Riley out, my, my oldest, and I'll be telling him more about his story in a bit, but um, he had a lot of coughing and a lot of hiccups. He would get hiccups oh. all of the time. Yeah, I've always wondered what causes Mm -hmm. hiccups. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That is interesting. So, you know, back to that topic of being overweight and how that can contribute to acid reflux, there was a study at Boston University that found that even carrying a small amount of extra weight can be a problem. And at break time, Tamara and I were sharing how very many of our clients at Nutritional Weight and Wellness come in having regular acid reflux or heartburn, even if that's mm-hmm. not on their goal list of mm-hmm. you know reasons for seeing us, they often tell us that they have frequent heartburn. And then you start thinking about how many people in this country are overweight. Yeah. Well, there's got to be a link there. So Boston University researchers found that women who were considered only slightly overweight, according to the BMI charts, are more than twice as likely to have heartburn. Wow. So, Cassie... Do you know what an easy fix for that would be? I think I'm reading your mind. Are you teaching nutrition for weight loss this time around? Just subbing in, helping out. You're helping out. I'm helping out. Well, some of you are in nutrition for weight loss classes that we're um, doing around the Twin Cities right now. For others, you may not have heard of it. We have a new series that we launched last fall called Nutrition for Weight Loss. It is the perfect solution for people wanting to lose just a few pounds or for people wanting to lose 50 or more pounds. This Nutrition for Weight Loss series meets 12 weeks, one hour each time, and it also includes two different one-hour consultations with a nutritionist. You will learn how to eat real food that keeps you satisfied. You'll learn how to eat real food that gets rid of your cravings, and you'll learn how to rev up your metabolism. And you get a wonderful cookbook filled with lots of delicious recipes that will not only work for your weight loss, but will also please the taste buds of the entire family so you don't have to be cooking two separate meals. Now, our next series doesn't start until the week of July 18th, but if you're interested, I highly recommend that you sign up now. You know summer goes fast. July is going to be here before we know it, so if you're interested in taking this Nutrition for Weight Loss class, sign up. Even though it doesn't start till July 18th, it'll be on your calendar, and then you'll be committed to doing it. If you want to learn more or if you want to sign up, we do have people at the St. Paul office already this morning. They opened up at 8, so you can call them at 651-699-3438 and then press option 3 for St. Paul. Yeah, and it's it's a great class, really great class. Mm-hmm. Learn a lot, great results. It's, it's very so. energizing because you're surrounded by people that are trying to accomplish the same goal and you kind of feed off of each other. Yes. Now, Cassie, 
Back to our topic. This discussion on acid reflux would not be complete without you telling a bit about your family struggles and how, how you finally found resolve. Right. And I know Dar wanted me to tell the story, too. And I know some listeners have heard this story before, but it's worth repeating because if I can spare even one child from having to go through what Riley has been through, it'll be worth telling the story again. So Riley, my my oldest, who's five, I, I suppose he's about five and a half now, um, but he was he was uncomfortable from day one. Hmm. I remember that first day he was born in the hospital, how squirmy he was, and he would make hmm. faces. You know, and that's not how newborns are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to lay there and sleep and sleep and sleep. Well, he was always uncomfortable, but he wasn't crying. So we weren't super concerned. I I visited with the lactation consultant. I tried cutting different things out from my diet. It didn't seem to be making a difference. And so then we went to formula, you know, and and Mm -hmm. keep in mind at this point, I did not know of nutritional weight and wellness. I was not working for nutritional weight and wellness. So my mindset was certainly much different from what it is now. So I was pretty quick actually to go to some different formulas and boy, we switched him up. I bet he had been on five different formulas before we found one that sort of Mm. worked for him. It seemed it helped a little bit, but he was still uncomfortable. And then at the age of about four months, he was uncomfortable enough that he started to cry and cry and cry. And so that's when I went to the pediatrician and explained what was going on. And I swear, before I even finished my story, they were writing out a prescription for Zantac. Oh, really? So we started with Zantac. Again, this is at about four months of age. Didn't work. Went to Prilosec. Didn't work. Went to Prevacid. And that seemed to help. Now, I could still hear this reflux coming back up in his throat. So the problem wasn't gone, but the Prevacid turns off the acid pumps in your stomach so it wasn't burning. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't crying. Mm. But it still wasn't right. But, you know, I didn't know any better. I have him on the Prevacid. That's what we're going with. We tried to come off at six months. We tried to come off at eight months. We tried to come off at a year. Could not get this kid off of the antacids. Somewhere in that time, I came to work for Nutritional Weight and Wellness, really changed my way of thinking and started to ask the question, why is this happening? What is causing this? This prescription is just covering up the problem. Mm -hmm. So I kind of spoke with Dar a little bit about it. I tried to take him off of gluten, but not entirely, just kind of played with it. Uh And I didn't see a difference. Then I put the gluten back in and tried to take him off of dairy, but not 100%, just kind of played with it, didn't see a difference. Went to a chiropractor who was wonderful, but obviously that wasn't the issue because that wasn't making a difference. Did some homeopathic recipes, that didn't work. And finally, I just needed to go see a GI doctor for my own peace of mind. I, In my head, I thought, I think there's something organically wrong, like something structural. Because I had no food allergies, no health problems mm-hmm. on my side of the family that I knew of at that point. Scott didn't have any on his side of the family. Dar tried to talk me out of going to the GI doctor. Uh-huh. I wish I would have listened. <laughs> but I went, put through, put Riley through quite a bit. You know, he had the endoscopy and a lot of other tests. And they found nothing. Well, I wasn't happy with that. I remember sitting in that GI doctor's office and I was about five inches from his face. And the GI doctor is doubling his dose of Prevacid because they found nothing. Uh And Riley's uncomfortable. Riley and I were sitting up most every evening in the chair downstairs because at least he could get a little bit of sleep because if he was sitting upright, the reflux wasn't so bad. Mm. Of course, I wasn't sleeping. 
I just was determined not to dose him up higher. But the, the doctor started writing out a higher prescription. And I said, just a minute, doctor, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. My goal is to figure out what's causing this reflux. And he didn't even hesitate. He looked me in the eye and he said, my goal is to get rid of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I knew right then I was done with that doctor. Yeah. I bit my tongue and I let him write out that prescription and I walked out of there and I knew I was not coming back. The other thing he said to me, I have time for this story. Sure. He said, and by the way, you'll probably want to keep extra on hand because when birthdays and holidays come around, you're going to want to give him extra. Oh, wow. So he obviously knew the sugar connection. Yeah. But to him, it was just more drugs. Yeah. So wow. I know I can see you watching the clock. We probably should take a break. I'm going to finish off this story when we get back. Okay. So it's time to take another break. Do you suffer from frequent heartburn? If so, are you taking an acid blocker? New research has found that these drugs can lead to other digestive issues. And when we come back, Cassie will share a little bit more about this. So stay tuned. If you're like me, you try to eat right, but the definition of healthy eating seems like a moving target. Should I eat low-carb or low-fat? Do eggs and butter raise my cholesterol? Is coffee good after all? Don't rely on sound bites and infomercials for something as important as your health. You deserve recommendations based on biochemistry. Nutritional Weight and Wellness is offering My Talk 1071 listeners a complimentary e-newsletter that is chock full of nutrition information and tips. The Weight and Wellness Way newsletter provides sound information and practical strategies from a nutritionist's perspective. Learn a natural approach to healthy eating based on real whole foods you buy at the grocery store. All this and best of all, it's free. To subscribe to the complimentary Weight and Wellness Way e-newsletter, go to weightandwellness.com and enter your email address. Then watch your inbox every month for nutrition news and special offers that will help you look and feel your best. For information on other services at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, call 651-699-3438. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. So Tamara mentioned there is some research out there about some not-so-great side effects of chronic use of some of these classes of antacids. And there's new research specifically about the class called proton pump inhibitors, which I'm sure there are more than I even know, but mm-hmm. Prilosec and Prevacid and Omeprazole, which is a generic of one of those, those come to mind. But with the proton pump inhibitors, The research is indicating that people that use these for more than three months have an increased risk of developing food allergies, as well as an increased risk of creating inflammation in their esophagus. Now, this is scary when you consider that these drugs are now available over the counter, and a lot of people use these for more than three months. So, I mean, look at Riley, Mm -hmm. what, four years before we figured it out. So could these proton pump inhibitors, this class of antacids, have anything to do with the increase in food allergies we're seeing in this country? It's a good question. Mm -hmm. So I I told the bulk of Riley's story before we went to break, but I I didn't yet share how I found resolve. So I was mentioning that I, I just bit my tongue when the GI doctor told me his whole goal was to cover up symptoms, and I knew I was never coming back to that doctor So from there, thanks in large part to DAR, I did testing through Enterolab. Enterolab is a fully accredited laboratory. It's run by an MD, and it's a place that I had known of because years back, DAR had gotten 
some of her granddaughters tested through there for some different food sensitivities. So I knew they were on the up and up. I did the stool testing through Entero Lab, which has a high accuracy rate for catching things that the blood tests and the endoscopies sometimes miss in the Mm -hmm. early stages of food allergies. And sure enough, the test results came back. Not only did Riley have a gluten sensitivity, but he has the autoimmune reaction to gluten, which is celiac disease. And he also has a dairy allergy. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. I was at work when I got the results, and I still had clients to see. And I remember just being so sick to my stomach, and I just wanted to go home. Oh, my gosh. But I didn't. But then I did cry all the way home once I went home. More for him than for me, Mm -hmm. because I just, you know, those initial thoughts are, he'll never enjoy the birthday party with the other kids and have the cake and the pizza that they're eating. But, you know, you get over that, and it is so worth it because today he is a healthy, happy boy, no prescription antacids needed. That's amazing. Life is good. Amazing. And even though it may sound overwhelming, just cutting out some foods, it's so empowering. So empowering. I love that. It's empowering, yes, to be able to control it through the foods we're putting in our mouth. And I always say, you know, and, and through that testing, we got the rest of the family tested, and I have a gluten sensitivity Marissa, his little sister, has celiac disease and the dairy allergy. So we're all on the same page. We're in it together. Mm-hmm. And I always say, especially those kids, they are going to be way healthier yep. than their little friends because they can't have all that processed yeah. junk food. You're they right. just can't, and they know it. So You're there right. is a silver lining. Absolutely. So for all you listeners, if you are suffering from an unresolved reflex, then please consider the possibility of a food allergy being at the root cause. Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually a fairly common occurrence in the clients we see with acid reflux. And if you want to learn more about the lab that Cassie mentioned called Intero Lab, you can read about them in detail at their website, which is simply interolab.com. And, you know, full disclosure about how we got Riley to be the the happy, healthy, prescription-free kid that he Mm. is, we also do ultra bifidus, so bifidobacteria, but it's in a powder form. Um, It's called ultra bifidus. We do that two times during the day, two different times, and then at bedtime, we do a different good bacteria called acidophilus. Yeah, and those are excellent excellent products highly recommend them so if anyone's interested in taking a look at these two products that cassie uses with her son to keep his digestive system up to par you can find them at our new supplement website nutrikey.net it's our new online ordering website again i'm just going to spell it nutrikey.net which is n-u-t-r-i-k-e-y.net and even if you don't plan on buying these products, you can read more about them and their mechanism of action on our website. Have you perused that website much? A little bit. Because I've used it a couple different Uh times and I was wondering about, okay, what exactly is that one supplement for? So it's kind of handy for us too. There's a lot of great information. So like Tamara said, even if you're not planning on necessarily buying them, you can go and and read more about those products and the specific names because we have different Types of acidophilus, we have different types of bifidobacteria. The specific names of the two products I use with Riley, they're both by a company called Metagenics, and the one he takes during the day, it's a powder form, and it's called Ultra Bifidus, and the one he takes at bedtime is called Ultra Daphilus. 
Right. So, Cassie, you mentioned your son Riley was on Prevacid for years. So I bet you know more than you care to share about the side effects of that drug. Yes. And, you know, I think it's really important that we share this information with our listeners because I'm betting that there are a lot of people out there using antacids every day who may not be aware of the bad outcomes that they may be facing down the road because of this chronic use. I think you're exactly right. I don't know if you've heard it before, but I can't even count how many times clients have said to me, well, my doctor said I'll have to be on this antacid yeah. for my life. Yep. What is that about? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so obviously many people are unaware and maybe many doctors are unaware of the adverse effects of antacids. And the class of antacids, Prevacid, which is what Riley falls into, the class of antacids that that falls into is called the proton pump inhibitors. And of course, because of a vested interest, those are the ones that I've really researched a lot and they have some particularly alarming potential for harm. They do. So before you sort of dive into some of that research in front of you, I'm just going to read something off of the package for Prevazid that you shared with me in the break room, because this is really, really alarming. Mm -hmm. So right on the box, it says, do not take for more than 14 days or more often than every four months. Yeah. In bold. In bold. So there must be a reason, right? Exactly. So here's why you shouldn't take any of these proton pump inhibitors for more than 14 days. First off, the research indicates you are putting yourself at an increased risk for osteoporosis. And the science behind that is when you eat a food that has calcium in it, the acid in your stomach cleaves that calcium from the food so that it's available for your intestinal tract to absorb it and put it into your bone to make healthy bones. But when you take these proton pump inhibitors, you turn off the acid pumps. Now you Mm. have no acid in your stomach, so you eat foods that have calcium, but your body is not able to cut off or cleave that calcium from the foods, and so it eventually passes out of your body without ever being absorbed. And it wasn't that long ago, I had, maybe a month ago, I had a client who's a registered nurse, and she came in to me, and the first thing she said as she sat down in the chair, she said, okay, the doctor has put me on an antacid, and my plan is to get off of it as soon as I can, and I need your help doing that. She said, but I know they cause osteoporosis if you take them long term. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's new information to me. That, you know, they can connect to malabsorption. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That is a really big deal. People aren't talking about it. Not talking about it. Well, you know, obviously we aren't the only people who do have access to the information. Your client obviously was well aware. She did her research, yep. So why is it that the doctors and are, are prescribing this stuff so readily? Yeah, and why are they saying you might have to be on it for your life? I know. You know, I suppose part of it is doctors in America are largely in the business of treating disease, and this disease is on the rise. Did you know acid reflux? I read this last night. Acid reflux has risen by 67% in the last decade. Oh, wow. That's huge. Crazy. And, you know, that is even more good reason to educate the public on the side effects. Exactly. So I'm thinking before we go any further, let's go ahead and take another break.
Are you having a hard time coming up with healthy food options for your kids? Well, no worries because we are here to help. Coming up on Monday, we have an excellent class called Nutrition for Young Adults, which will be in our North Oaks office from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. So if you're interested, please check our website, weightandwellness.com, for more information or to sign up. It's a great class, and the kids of this nation need help. So much so. So we'll be right back. If you're just joining us, you're here with Cassie and Tamara. We're talking about digestive issues. But before we get back into that, I think we have to mention that the big news this last week was that the Obama administration unveiled the new food plate. Mm -hmm. So if you're not in the know, big news, listen up. There is no more food guide pyramid. Thank the Lord. Right. You know, I did a million things wrong as a dietitian before I found Dar. You know, uh-huh. I can kick myself for all the low-fat cream cheese and fat-free dressing I was telling people to eat. But I did always say I will not teach from the Food Guide Pyramid because I knew even before I started at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, it was the wrong visual. Yeah. You look at a pyramid and the bottom is the carbs. Well, doesn't that tell you? Free-for-all yes. with bread and pasta, which is what I used to do, and it didn't work. So, yeah, now we have the food plate, and if you missed our superstar here that's in the studio with me, Tamara, if you missed her on TV, she was on on Thursday, live, Thursday. Yeah, on what Care is that 11. called? Their, it's the their, news at 4. It's, okay, it's their live stint there at 4 o'clock, um, and, and she was on talking about the new food plate. You can Google it and, oh. and watch her on the Internet. But I wanted to talk about it a little bit or at least mention it. I think Tamara and I are both in agreement that it's certainly a better visual. It's more user-friendly because you're looking at a plate rather than a pyramid where you're wondering, well, how do I make that pyramid fit on my plate? So now we have a plate. Um, What Tamara picked up right away that I didn't think of right away is that the good fats Mm -hmm. are missing. They're missing. There's no mention. They have lots of vegetables. I love that. Yep. They talk about fruits, they talk about whole grains, they talk about protein. No mention is made of healthy fats. So so in your own mind, add those healthy fats. You know, you always need the olive oil or nuts or avocados, some type of healthy fat at every meal and every snack. So our take on that new fa- food plate, it's, it's more user-friendly, but it's still not quite complete. And as long as we're talking about food plate and what should be in front of you, I want to mention soy. I think there was a soy question last week, and and the answer maybe got a little confusing. I just want to make sure that listeners are clear that we are not big fans of soy, um, you know, and for a lot of different reasons. We could probably spend a whole show on that, but I just want to mention a couple of things. There's research out there indicating that soy, if you're eating it too much, can contribute to hypothyroid. And certainly whenever we have a client that has hypothyroid, we tell them absolutely stay away from soy. It's also the most genetically modified crop out there. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why some of the research is starting to change and put it in not such a great light because it's become the most genetically modified crop. And I think Tamara had a really good point when we were discussing this in the break room that, you know, we're kind of crazy here about soy. It's soy milk. It's it's um, meatless burgers made with soy. It's all this franken soy. It's yeah. not real soy like the Asians eat right. oftentimes. So keep that in mind too. 
Thanks, Cassie. And, you know, we did, um, before we went off to break, have a request for the cookbook, the name of the cookbook that we mentioned earlier. So for any listeners who are interested, it's called the Schwartzbein Principle Cookbook. Yes, and I have heard such great things about that cookbook. Like I said, so far I've only taken the ranch dressing recipe out there, but I think I need yeah, to buy it. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Good to hear. So should we get back into side sure. effects? Because, man... There are a lot of them. Okay, um, let's get back. So side effects, and, and I'm not even going to be able to cover them all today, but I want to mention some more of the the biggies. So when you're talking about, again, this class of antacids called proton pump inhibitors, Prevacid, Prilosec, et cetera, et cetera, not only can they cause a, a calcium deficiency like we were talking about earlier, they can also cause an iron deficiency, now, the least of your problems with an iron deficiency would be cracking or peeling of your nails. And it's been so fun to see my little guy's nails get so much stronger now that he's been off of Prevacid for about a year. His nails used to peel terribly. Hmm. And, you know, another sign of iron deficiency is hair loss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had a lot of clients who are struggling with this. So mm -hmm. if your experience unusual amounts of hair loss, and you're on an antacid, you may have just solved your dilemma. Exactly. You know, you've read through that one book called Body Signs. Uh-huh. We had that yes. gentleman, Jeffrey something. Forget his name, but name. yeah, there's a, there's a great book we have at the office. Anyway, it gives the, the research in there showing that 70% of women with hair loss experience that because of an iron deficiency. Well, if you're listening, maybe your iron deficiency is because of an antacid. And I have in front of me an opinion article by a Dr. McCarthy from the Division of Gastroenterology at the University of New Mexico School of Medicine. And he states, and I'm quoting, he says, in my opinion, iron deficiency is the most important potential adverse effect of antacid therapy. End of quote. And this Dr. McCarthy goes on to say that chronic use of this class of proton pump inhibitors is associated with restless leg syndrome because of the fact that this class of drugs inhibits iron absorption. Wow. Honestly, before today's show, I didn't even realize what an ugly class of drugs these protein pump inhibitors are. And they're so easily available over the counter. Oh, yes. So, you know, so far we've talked about two serious side effects, both osteoporosis and iron deficiency. And yet we still have a couple others. Wow. Yeah, we still have others. I'm just glancing at the clock wondering if we're going to get through it all. Um, you know, I've done a lot of, well, a fair amount of research on this class of antacids because of my vested interest, Riley. And you're seeing right from across the studio there, Tamara, the list goes on that I have in front of me. Another adverse side effect is B12 deficiency. And this happens for basically the same reason we find a calcium and iron deficiency. When you stop the stomach's acid production, malabsorption of nutrients is inevitable. Right. And, you know, a chronic B12 deficiency is really serious stuff, considering that B12 has a lot to do with nerve and brain function. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thinking about this, it actually reminds me of a, Dar, uh, a story that Dar often tells about a client that she had years back. Uh, it was an older gentleman who could barely walk up the stairs leading to her office in St. Paul because he was losing the feeling in his legs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, this client of Dar's was also experiencing the beginning signs of dementia. 
dementia, I'm sorry. Yeah. So let's keep a long story short here. He had been on an antacid for his reflux for nearly 10 years. And yeah. once Dar got him off gluten, he was able to get off the antacid without any reoccurrence of acid reflux. And once he got off the antacid, that which was creating a B12 deficiency, the feeling in his legs returned, as did his memory. I love that story. It I is remember powerful. hearing that. Yeah, Me I remember too. hearing that one of my first months, I suppose, at Nutrition, Weight, and Wellness. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this lady is a miracle worker. Yes. Now, she would not agree to that. She would say, well, it was pretty simple. He just had the gluten allergy. But still, Dar connects those dots. But again, she does. She does. And, and thank goodness that he found her. Yes. And this study depicts what an ugly class of drugs these antacids can be. Mm-hmm. Because not only that, but the use of them can also increase the risk for various types of bacterial infections, mm-hmm. one of which is C. diff. Mm-hmm. And anyone in the medical profession knows a C. diff infection can be serious stuff, and it's sometimes life-threatening. But it makes sense when you think about it, doesn't it? The main function of stomach acid is to sterilize all the contents entering the digestive tract But when you chronically take something like Prevacid, Prilosec, that turns off the pumps that deliver acid into your stomach, now you have completely lost a major line of defense against foodborne illness, against C. difficile, and against any bad bacteria that you might come into contact with. Right. And, you know, in this day and age, with all of the outbreaks of foodborne illness going around, you know, there was just that recent E. coli E. coli outbreak Mm -hmm. in Germany, you know, I would think that knowing antacids can increase your risk of foodborne illness is reason enough to get a plan of action in place to come off your Prevacid or your Prilosec or whatever you may be taking. And you might want to talk to a nutritionist about coming up with a plan tailor-made for you if you're thinking of coming off these antacids, especially if it's a proton pump inhibitor, because sometimes you get this rebound effect. Oh, can you believe <laughs> that we're all already to the end? You know, if you were online waiting to ask a question, Tamara and I are both in today. So call the office and we'll try to get your questions answered. And um, thanks for joining us. Tune in again next Saturday when Greg Peterson is going to be on with us talking about how supplements can reduce your health care costs. Have, Have a great, great day. Saturday. Thanks. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.